news and uh, yeah, it's great to see you. Um, especially you. <laughs> you know, she's a star. She, she, got her, she got the paper and all that. I, I don't know how I got that. Someone sent it to me. It was really awesome. So I was very excited. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that fun? So let's pray, get started on this Sunday night, and then we'll get started. Hey, Father, we're just excited to be here as always. Thank you for these wonderful, wonderful women. Thanks that we could be a part of it, Lord. Uh, we just uh, praise you in all we do. We give you all the glory for everything that happens. May it be your words through my mouth tonight. May your words hit somebody in the heart, and may the Holy Spirit move through this place very, very powerfully as we just are going to look to your word and see what it tells us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So, I am going to start talking about relationship tonight, relationship. And I'm going to start um, in 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. But I'm, gonna, uh, I'm not going to get to the love is part. I'm going to start before then, which is um, some people miss this part. So, uh, I, I've got a duel here, so maybe I'll pick the one I can read. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a banging gong. Or a clanging symbol. I love that. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And I really like that from, that's Paul, obviously. I really like that because what he's saying is, you know, I could be the best Christian you've ever seen. I could be smart, I could give prophecy, I can do all these things. Because he's like, like I, I can speak in tongues, look at me, right? And he says, but if I don't love, if I don't have a relationship with you, it doesn't matter. And, and that's why when, when you compare that to Matthew 7, 21, Jesus says, on that day, many will call me Lord, Lord, and I'll say, I never knew you. I never knew, I don't have a relationship with you. you, you. He's like, wait a minute, didn't we prophesy in your name and we exercise demons, we did all this stuff? And he says, get away from me, you evildoers. <laughs> this is how seriously God takes relationship. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Right? They were trying to trap on the Pharisees, right? And he says, oh, obviously, you love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Oh, and the second's like it. You, you, you love your neighbors yourself. And then he says something really fascinating. He says, all of the commandments and prophets will fall underneath those. So what he was basically saying, relationship, love God, love each other, was the most important thing you could possibly do because everything else in this book comes under that. Then God says at one point, he says, if you're going to give me your gift at the altar and you realize that your brother has something against you, stop, don't give me that. Go be reconciled to your brother and then come back and do that. The God of the universe, the Almighty, is saying, before you even think about coming to me, you better be reconciled and have relationship fixed where you're at. Isn't that fascinating? How seriously God takes relationship? How seriously he takes a relationship with us because he gave his only begotten son that whomever shall believe unto him shall not perish but have eternal life? It's about reconciliation. We were unreconciled. We were rebellion. Jesus bridged the gap, and now we're reconciled to God, and we have relationship. Jesus calls us his friend. If you look at his ministry, the whole ministry was about 12 people plus more disciples, but the 12, and especially three, wasn't it? 
James, John, and, and uh, Peter. Peter. And it was relational. Everything was relational. When Jesus was preaching, he would tell parables to people in a language they understood to meet them where they are. So when, when I read this, and as a pastor, one of the things that, that you have to do is love the people you're talking to. <laughs> you have to have a relationship with them because that's the gospel. You know, everyone thinks that, that you can be saved. You say the prayer, right? the prayer. I never believed there was a prayer, but there's a prayer, I guess. And then, then you're good to go because you believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior. But, but Paul here says, if I, if I have all these skills as a Christian, I'm Benny Hinn and I can swing my coat around and smack you and you'll be healed. <laughs> I don't love you. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Benny Hinn, you like Benny Hinn? I love that guy. Woo! You know, he came around. He came out about like a year ago. He's like, yeah, I'm a fraud. It was amazing. He's, he's not swinging his coat anymore. Um, I find it fascinating because th there are people that try to live the Christian life, try to live the discipleship life without relationship. Now, here's the curveball for the group of us who are all broken people, including me. How do you have relationship when you've been betrayed all your life? <laughs> When you have trust issues, when the people that were supposed to take care of you didn't and harmed you, how, how do you have relationship when you've been broken in that area, right? And, and that's, that's hard because we all want to follow Christ. We all want to be good disciples. We all want to be good Christians. But then we find that there's this friction that happens when we're around other people. Now, I always say that there are a couple cauldrons in which we get to practice our Christian faith. One is marriage. <laughs> the other is church. When we're around each other, we got to turn the other cheek. We got to forgive as we've been forgiven. We got to not judge. We got to bear with people. We've got to, you know, do all these things Jesus told us, which are counterintuitive to what we want to do. But here's the thing: we are built by God for a relationship. In the beginning, He made Adam. It says, "Not good for you to be alone. You need adult supervision." We'll make Eve. <laughs> We are built in our soul. We cry out for connection. And so we have this, this real dissonance sometimes in our lives where we are built for the relationship, but we're so broken in relationship that we want it so bad, but when it gets too close, we push it away. Ever self-sabotage relationship? Ding, ding, ding. I like ding, ding, ding. And you're just pointing at the other person. I, you know, this is the this is the funnest part about being a pastor. You will say something, and everyone's like, "It's you." <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean, I I have been there. I, I have complex post traumatic stress uh, disorder from child abuse and things I went through, and relationships brutally hard for me. Um, I'm completely broken in that area. Right, and what God had to teach me, I didn't love people at all. And when I was growing up, I grew up in, a, in 12 different homes and lots of different churches. And I believed Jesus was my Lord and Savior. Absolutely believed it. I believed everything this book said. But I hated people because of what they did to me. Couldn't trust them. Wouldn't be around them. But this is what's interesting. 
1 John 4.12. This is very convicting. Are you ready? If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love, this, love his brother whom he can see and loves God who he cannot see, lies. <laughs> Pretty brutal. It's like, oh, dang it. So what John is saying is you can't possibly say you hate your brother or sister in Christ or even all of creation because everything is made in God's image, right? Every person you see in the eye is made in God's image. If you hate that or have problems with that, but you say you love God, something inside of you is broken. Now, here's the best part. God's a healer, right? The whole idea here about our faith isn't just accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's not a one-way relationship. No relationship's one way, is it? That's one hand clapping. Notice the sound? <laughs> Cracking you up tonight. <laughs> he gives back. And he says, my, my, my yoke is light. You, know, you won't have a burden, and I will heal you. And God did the most remarkable thing with me. He made me love people. And it was like overnight, once I kind of committed to, yeah, I'm going to let you transform me through the Holy Spirit. I'm going to stop blocking you. You know you can block the Holy Spirit? It's called quenching it in, in the Bible. You ever hear that little voice say, do this? And you're like, no. <laughs> That's quenching the Holy Spirit. You, you, know, you can do that. But when, when you finally give in, and usually it's because God's hit you with the holy two-by-four, right? <laughs> Got that welt across your forehead, and you're like, okay, God. <laughs> Got that spiritual, spiritual concussion. He will do amazing, remarkable things to heal you. And then what you will find is you will have relationship in a way that God created you have relationship. There's a, guy, a pastor named Francis Chan, and I really like this guy. And he said this, and I've told you this before if you've been here a long time. He says, I can't preach to people I don't love. I can't preach to people I don't love. And I thought about that. I said, what a great statement. And he says, before I preach to people, I pray that God will give me a loving heart toward them. And I thought, that's really smart. Because... If I don't care about you, you're just an audience. Right? I used to do a lot of public speaking. I, I've spoken to groups of two people. I did, I've been at a big conference. Nobody came. Uh, it was hilarious. I've still videotaped it and made it look like there were people there. I shot people's feet and stuff. It's brilliant. <laughs> I've spoken to groups of tens and hundreds, and I even spoke at a place. They said 2,000 people were there. And they were audiences. And I was brilliant. And then I walked off stage and I was done. And I didn't give a second thought to those people. Because I did my part. I gave my speech. See, that's not what we do in the faith. And that's what Francis Jan says, is you, you got to love these people. Jesus, when you watch him preach, he's doing the Beatitudes, for example. Blessed are the right. Did he care about those people? When he had the 5,000, he was going to feed them. It says he had compassion upon them. When Paul writes to the churches, what is he, how do you know how he opens his, his letters? I pray for you people. I, I care about you. I want relationship with you. So we're built for that. But some of us are really broken in that. 
And so what we have to allow is God to do that healing piece in us so that we can be the people God created us to be. And that's not easy. I'm not going to blow smoke. It's hard to allow God to heal you in your most vulnerable spots because how can you really trust it's going to happen? I mean, I'm talking about miracles. I'm talking about supernatural stuff. Yeah. You know, it cracks me up. You ever watch TV, all these shows, Ghost Hunters and, you know, all this stuff? People are fascinated by the supernatural, except when it comes to God. Then they won't believe it. <laughs> you know, they'll believe they're talking to their dead cat, but, <laughs> but they won't pray. <laughs> I saw this great meme the other day. <laughs> this meme had this woman and she was like, oh, ancestors, tell me my life. And then it had a picture of a caveman going, ooga booga. <laughs> I thought it was, it was a Christian meme. It was really funny. <laughs> so how, how do we get to this place? One, the, the beautiful thing about the Christian life is scriptures tells us in Romans 12, have a sober judgment of yourself, right? Don't lie. Anybody been through a 12-step program knows the first step of a 12-step program is admitting you've got a problem. Christianity is no different. Christianity is like, i got a problem. I need a Savior. You know, Paul says, of all the sinners in the room, I'm the worst. I would tell you, of all the sinners in this room, I'm the worst. I need a Savior. It, we, there's this other meme. I, I like memes, by the way. There's this other meme that says that, uh, you know, you need the Holy Spirit when you go to church on Sunday. I'm like, I need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart because I am that broken. I don't, I don't leave the house without it. you got to admit you got a problem. And if you have a problem relationally, you got to say, you know, Lord, I have a problem relationally. I'm broken here. And here's why I'm broken. Because this person betrayed me. This person abused me. This situation was, was untenable. Um, I, I can't do this. And the Lord is good. And the Lord will respond to you. And he'll say, well, child, I know. I was there. I saw it. What do you want to do about it? Right? This is, I, I, I'm, this is not even my notes. I'm just, I'm just freewheeling right now. I wrote a book years ago, and it was about John 5. And it's the guy, the guy at the uh, bath of Bethesda, and he can't get in for 38 years. You know, he's trying to get healed, right? And Jesus comes to him and says the craziest thing. He looks at him and goes, do you want to be healed? Dude, it's been there 38 years <laughs> trying to get in the pool. And Jesus is walking around. Everyone knows about this guy. This, this is no secret that this guy has been there for all these years. And I thought when I first read that, that was the stupidest question ever, right? Jesus is all-knowing. He's like, you want to get healed? Duh. But it's a great question. Because a lot of us say we want to be healed. But we keep a foot in our dysfunction and a foot in the faith, and we expect God to do something. And that's not how it works. Got to move your dysfunction foot. And it is scary. Scary, scary. I had a woman I was working with once. We were working through this transformation piece, right? Good Christian, had some issues. We're trying to get her foot to move. And she goes, but I like me. And I knew exactly what she was talking about. She's like, I don't want God to change me, and I'm somebody else. I like me. And I laughed. I said, well, 
God didn't really change David's personality. God didn't really change Paul's personality. You know, you don't see God changing their personality. He changes their viewpoint. <laughs> right? I know in my case, I'm still the same guy I've always been. I'm still irreverent. I, I, I you know, I'm still the guy. Shut up. <laughs> Some people know me a little too well. But now I see through a God prism and through a, instead of a Tom prism because I moved that foot. And I trusted that God would do what this book promises he'll do, which is heal you. Now, why is this important? It's important because you cannot have the life that Jesus promises, which is I want you to have life and have it abundantly, if you can't have relationship. If you can't be around your brothers and sisters in Christ and be able to be completely free and let down and relaxed and calm. Now, scripture says don't stop meeting like some people do because we need each other. We've got to encourage each other. We've got to lift each other up. We're supposed to be the ones that are, that are telling each other our sins. You go first. <laughs> we should be able to have no secrets and just be able to live this really beautiful life in relationship. But in, fall, in our fallenness, we can't. Not even in the church. You know, churches can be some of the most dysfunctional places relationally you'll ever, you'll ever go. But what I want to, for, for you, because I do care about you so much, is I want, like, this group, I say this to this group and one other group. Everything you need is in this room. Every one of you has a different set of experiences and skills and gifts and blessings that you could share it with the other person and lift the other person up. And if you were to leverage one another that way within the body of Christ, one person's an arm, one person's a leg, right? Imagine what you could do. But some of us are so broken in relationship, we can't get there. We can't trust each other. We can't love each other. We can't feel close. We can't let someone close to our heart because it's so broken. Some of us have broken souls, which is a different thing. And that's where God comes in and does his healing. Right? So if you're not good at relationship like I'm not, what do you do? Are you living the fulfilled life? It's very hard. I mean, I struggle with it. I, I, I've been, uh, I'm 57, and I came to faith. I had 40 years in the desert and then kind of really came to my faith. So the past 17 years, I've been really struggling to try to be better at relationship. So I'm kind of a newbie at this because most of my life, I didn't care about relationship. And I certainly would walk into a room here, and I would give you a powerful speech and walk out and not care about you. But now, I give you a powerful speech. <laughs> <laughs> and I walk out and I pray about you. I think about you. And I watch your faces as I speak and I see how God's affecting people. And I particularly pray for those folks because I care. And I look forward to coming back the next week and hammering you again. <laughs> now that's a miracle because if you knew me before, you would say that, you know, my friends that I, that I knew in college and stuff, like, what happened to you? It's like, well, God did, right? I want that for you. I want you to experience what I've experienced, that you can have relationship with people and all people. So I will tell you that 
in my ministry, I also work with um, ex-cons. And some of them are really bad people. <laughs> but they want so badly to follow Christ, they want to transform. And part of what they do is tell me what they did. And I, you know, I'm not judging, man. I, I'm, that's not my job. My job is to love them. God said, love everyone. Let me judge them. And so you, you live, you do. You want to bring to Christ. How can they get healing if they don't have somebody to walk them through discipleship and actually cares about them and instead is just judging them on what they did? Right? So relationship is a deep, deep, deep concept. Because all, what do we do in relationship? We judge people by their performance, don't they? You perform well, I'll be your friend. Jesus addresses that. He says, it's easy to love people who love you back. Even the pagans do that. How about loving the extra grace required people? You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. How about loving the... Yeah. <laughs> loving the people that are hard to love. Right? I always tell people that, that if, if you're evangelizing, you'll never argue someone into the faith. But you can love them into the faith. Right? We're supposed to use... We're supposed to, There's a great line by Francis Assisi. He says... Uh, uh, preach the gospel every day. Use words if you have to. Ta-da! <laughs> she's, she's tracking with me right now. Use words if you have to. You, they should see your light when you walk in a place. When you walk into Walmart, they should go, oh, that's a Christian. Just by the way you're treating people. Right? And then you build relationship because people want to come to that light. They want to know what you know. Why are you like that? Scripture talks about have an answer for the hope you have everywhere you go, right? So if you're in a store and you're just happy and, and you see someone's having a bad day, you know, engage them, encourage them, lift them up. They're like, what's, what's that about you? Why are you so weird? Well, I'm weird for Jesus. <laughs> no, I'm not a creeper and a stalker. I'm just weird for Jesus. Because I build relationships everywhere I go. Everywhere. And it might be a 30-second relationship with someone in a coffee shop. And it might be a longer-lasting relationship. Like at Safeway, my wife and I work the crowd at Safeway. <laughs> We've been working the checkers there for a long time. We know which ones are Christians and which ones aren't. And, you know, we're, we're always trying to get in the right line. There's a guy named Mark. We love Mark. Mark's Christian, but I don't think he's following his faith. And... Uh, <laughs> Mark, 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 well, I'm just saying the trips to the casino. Um, he wears his emotions on his sleeve, so he's having a bad day. Everyone knows, right? He's a super good guy, though. So one day I'm in the line next to him, and he's having a bad day. And I look over, and I say, Mark, he looks at me, Mr. Man, God loves you. And I walk off. He goes, you're right. And his day got better. I mean, you could work people everywhere. But it's about the relationship. See, we care about Mark and Tammy and Raven and all the people we know, Donna, all the people we know at Safeway. Da, our pharmacist. Stephanie, who works there. See, I know them all. You are a stalker. Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the real problem. I'm a former intelligence officer, so I got all these dossiers on people. <laughs> I'm recruiting for Jesus. Let's go. So scripture tells us that uh, <laughs> so, 
<laughs> Scripture tells us that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, right? This is Matthew 28. And he says, therefore, go out and make disciples of all nations. That, that's not me. That's not just pastors go out and make disciples. It's all of us. Once you're in the faith, you're to share your faith. And you know, the best part about your faith is you don't have to be a theologian. You just share your story. This is what Jesus did for me. Even if you're brand new in this, you're like, I don't even know. I just, I'm just here because they told me to be. Um, you can still share that, you know, I'm around this weird group of people, and they seem pretty nice. Your testimony is what's going to affect people. It's not the pastor that really brings people to Christ. It's the reach that you all have. So you're supposed to make disciples. How do you make disciples? You build relationship. Do you think I ever go out, I'm at Safeway, and I'm in the middle of the aisle going, John 3.16! I would, but I don't do that. I build relationships. Yeah, I'm friendly with people. I, I want to share my heart with them. Now, here's the downside. Will you, will, will you be abused? Yeah. Will people take advantage of you? Mm -hmm. But when you get in your head that that's between them and God, not you and them, that's between them and God, not you and them. You're just doing what you're supposed to do because that's between you and God. And God will bless you significantly for doing what he wants you to do. So you're out there making disciples by making friends. The time will come when you can say, hey, John 3, 16. Yeah, that time will come. My wife, on the other hand, she's the John 3, 16 person. She cannot wait just to bang somebody with the Bible. She's like, how long do we have to wait till we tell them? Like, let's, let's wait till they know our names. <laughs> she's quite the evangelist. <laughs> There, there are times, honestly, when we're doing counseling, I'll just sit back and let her go because she's like, <laughs> I'm like, this, this is great fun. <laughs> I just get to watch. So relationship matters. God said love. Jesus said the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment. He didn't say the greatest suggestion. The greatest opinion. Oh, I hope you do it. The greatest commandment. You are commanded by God to love him if you're going to be in the faith. Now, here's the beautiful part. We didn't love God first. He loved us first, which is why we can love. And we are told, love your neighbor. Don't judge him. Don't gossip about him. Don't, don't, don't worry about them. Right? Love them. Bring them into the light. Last thought. I think every one of us in the room, except my wife, <laughs> she's come from a Brady Bunch family. Um, but the rest of us have been in the darkness, right? And my theory is if you've made it out of the darkness, you have a responsibility to go back in and grab others because you know the way out. You are the light that's going to bring others out of the darkness. God uses all things for the good of those who love him, including this including all your circumstances, including everything bad and ugly you've been through, he will use for the good of those who love him. So when you think, how can I have relationship with people? How can I disciple? How can I possibly be that person? Because God said so. He's already given you permission. 
He's already given you the authority. He's already given you the, the gifts and the blessings and the experiences because you're going to speak into people's lives so powerfully that when you die and you get to heaven and Jesus gives you that big hug and says, hey, I want you to see someone who's here because of you. Isn't that going to be a cool moment? That's what we live for as Christians is that moment. So if you're struggling with relationship, allow God to heal you. Step out of that dysfunction. Allow the Holy Spirit to transform you. Allow yourself to be vulnerable to God Almighty so that you can have the life abundant that he has for you in a relationship. And here's the perfect place to start. Right here in Friction Central. <laughs> And all God's people said, Amen. All right, all right.